Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a bi-weekly podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranek, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. Taylor, what do we have up for today? All right, everyone. So today we're going to be talking about the Texas congressional race between Ted Cruz and Beto O'Rourke. And this has been garnering a lot of media attention in the way that the two contestants are uh, really fighting off against each other and the various different things that are that are being said. We're going to begin today with an ad that uh, Ted Cruz has run, and it's an ad based upon a, a song. But before we do that, I wanted to remind everyone who is a loyal listener to the show to remember to go on to our Patreon page. If you really like the show, please support the show. So just scroll down to the show notes and you're going to find there's a link there to the Patreon page. There's many different ways to engage us in the show. This is one of the best. And so for as little as a cup of coffee each month, you can support the show and really help us to grow and to succeed with this. So in this first ad that Ted Cruz is running, it's really based upon the that old uh, country song by Alabama, If You Want to Play in Texas. And so let's go ahead and take a listen to this. If you're going to run in Texas, you can't be a liberal man, because liberal thought is not the spirit of a lone star man. you got to be tough as Texas. And honest about your plans If you're gonna run in Texas You can't be a liberal man I remember reading stories Liberal Robert wanted to fit in So he changed his name to Beto And hit it with a grin Beto wants those open borders And wants to take our guns not a chance on earth you'll get a vote from millions of Texans. If you're gonna run in Texas, you can't be a liberal man. Oh, it's catchy, isn't it? <laughs> it's a really good ad. And yeah. there's there's a lot to unpack here, isn't there? Yeah, it's the thing about it is is that when you start that rhyming device, you know, we've talked about this so many times before in uh, speeches and debates where when people start to rhyme things together and they make things really, really simple, they're appealing to that subconscious part of the mind. And so if every, if anyone has ever had an ad stuck in your head, okay, like you, you watch an ad on TV and that uh, jingle or limerick kind of got stuck in your head, well, that's what they're trying to do now with this, uh, with this idea. And so they're taking something that is already in the culture, right? That just about everyone in Texas has heard this song and they're basically changing the wording of it and, you know, using something that's already stuck in their heads to get an idea in. 
Now, the thing about it is even if someone listens to this and they say, well, I'm not really sure that I believe all of that stuff, it doesn't matter because it's already, the record is already playing again and again and again and again inside of their head. Right. And there's a lot of sort of identity politics in this song, too. It talks about a Texas man and, you know, you can't be liberal if you're a Texan. It's not the Texan way. There's, it's not tough. Right. And so it, it sort of hits on all those points of things that the people already believe about themselves and ties it to, well, that's not similar to Beto. My favorite part of all of this, though, is when it makes fun of Beto for changing his name uh, to fit in <laughs> right. and uh, Which, run by yeah. an ad from Rafael Cruz. <laughs> right. Rafael Edwards, Edward Cruz, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, it makes fun of him, and then of course, you know, Ted himself has has changed his name. Um, there's just so much uh, power in being able to take this, and this is what's called stealing an anchor. Sometimes people talk about this or stealing a classically conditioned response. Because if you have some response that is already built up within someone, and then you take it and you change one little bit of it, and you make it pointed toward your agenda well they can never think of that thing without thinking now about you which is kind of similar to what donald trump was doing with the nicknames or what he's still mm. doing with the nicknames right that he Lion does Ted. he makes it so yeah Lion Ted, right he makes it so you can't think about that person without also hearing the nickname and so he kind of attaches it to them just like what ted cruz is doing here with the you hear the song and you now have different lyrics running in your head. Right. And it really speaks to just how heated this race is really getting too. And this ad right here, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have already heard it because it was repeated almost endlessly when it came out on a lot of the major news networks because it's catchy, because it's a very good ad, because it hits all the right points. And now I think that, all that production value went into this ad. Why? Because Beto O'Rourke is actually a pretty good candidate. He has sort of those politician traits that we talk about a lot on this show that really make him a lot more persuasive and a lot more influential than a lot of other people. And so we do have a speech from Beto that really illustrates just how good he is at being that persuasive motivational candidate that really has Ted Cruz a little bit scared. This went a little bit viral and showed up, I'm sure, on a lot of people's feeds. It's a now this video where they superimposed some dramatic music on top of Beto speaking to really amplify the, uh, the emotionality of the video. So we want to play this and uh, then we'll talk about it afterward. I kind of wanted to know how you personally felt about how disrespectful it is like you have the NFL players kneeling during the national anthems. I wanted to know if you found that disrespectful to our country, to our veterans, and anybody related to that. It's just, I find it incredibly frustrating that people seem to be okay with that. And I would just like to hear your input. Thank you. Thanks for a great question. Again, on a really tough issue that if we don't talk about is not going to get better. And the question is, how do you feel about NFL players who take a knee 
during the national anthem? And is it disrespectful to this country, to the flag, to service members who are right there tonight where it is tonight in Afghanistan, and those former service members, retirees, and veterans who are here with us today? Thank you each for your service. Um, my, my short answer is no. I don't think it's disrespectful. Here's my, my longer answer, but I'm going try to try to make sure that I get this right. Um, because I think it's a really important question. And reasonable people, reasonable people can disagree on this issue. Let's begin there. And it makes them no less American to come down on a different conclusion on this issue, right? Um, you can feel as a young man does, you can feel as I do, you're every bit as American all the same. Um, but I'm reminded, somebody mentioned reading the, the Taylor Branch book. Um, you did. Um, Parting the Waters in the King Years. And, and when you read that book and find out what Dr. King and this nonviolent, peaceful movement to secure better, because they didn't get full, civil rights for their fellow Americans, the challenges that they faced, those who died in Philadelphia, Mississippi, for the crime of trying to be a man, trying to be a woman in this country, um, the, the young girls who died in the church bombing, um, those who were beaten within an inch of their life crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma, Alabama with John Lewis, um, those who were punched in the face, spat upon, dragged out by their collar at the Woolworth lunch counter for sitting with white people at the same lunch counter in the same country where their fathers may have bled the same blood on the battlefields of Omaha Beach or Okinawa or anywhere that anyone ever served this country. Um, the freedoms that we have were purchased not just by those in uniform, and they definitely were, but also by those who took their lives into their hands riding those Greyhound buses, the Freedom Riders in the Deep South in the 1960s, who knew full well that they would be arrested, and they were serving time in the Mississippi State Penitentiary. Um, Rosa Parks getting from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. Peaceful, nonviolent protests, including taking a knee at a football game to point out that black men unarmed, black teenagers unarmed, and black children unarmed are being killed at a frightening level right now, including by members of law enforcement without accountability and without justice. And this problem, as grave as it is, is not going to fix itself. And they're frustrated, frankly, with people like me and those in positions of public trust and power who have been unable to resolve this or bring justice for what has been done and to stop it from continuing to happen in this country. And so nonviolently, peacefully, while the eyes of this country are watching these games, they take a knee to bring our attention and our focus to this problem to ensure that we fix it. That is why they are doing it. And I can think of nothing more American than to peacefully stand up or take a knee for your rights anytime, anywhere, any place. So thank you very much for asking the question. I appreciate it. Wow. Now, Taylor, do you think that was rehearsed? Did he have that prepared? Or was that on the spot? Was that genuine? I think he had a lot of it actually in other speeches that he's given in other um, rallies and things that he um, the the town town hall meetings that he has done. And when he's gone and, and uh, given the speeches, a lot of those references are there. And but I do think that 
some of what he was saying, he was able to improvise it and he was able to put it into a structure that was, you know, really quite nice. I, d- I don't think that, that he had like this, uh, you know, so rehearsed to the point where it didn't sound natural. Right. Yeah. What I find really fascinating is a his voice cadence right there. Right. That he seems to have the 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 pauses and those moments almost like down pat as if he had practiced parts of them that he knew when to speed up, when to slow down and when to mark his voice separately to sort of build that suspense or that anticipation or when to bring up emotion, whether and you know, I'll take him at his word that it's that his emotion in it is all one hundred percent genuine. But he knows how to amplify that that genuine um, that that genuine feeling and that genuine cadence, and really you know push it to that next level so that he can make everybody in his audience feel it as well. Yeah, I love that scene in in um, in House of Cards where uh, you know Kevin Spacey is is doing the the impersonation and he's reading his speech and then, you know, he, he tries to pronounce the word and then, you know, he says they didn't put the, the phonetics in this speech. They didn't tell me how to (laughs) say this word. And then you see him, you know, a little bit later on, you know, of course saying it as if he actually knows the history behind it. And, um, what we hear here in, in Beto speaking is a lot of specifics. So, he tells us about you know the Edmund Pettus the Edmund Pettus Bridge. He tells us about the Woolworths lunch counter. Uh, we hear about Okinawa. You know we hear about the church. We hear about the bus. We hear about the the beaches, Utah Beach. We hear about the Freedom Riders. You know taking a knee to point out right. And this is actually if you listen back through the speech, this is the part that he starts to incorporate where he's directionalizing what the behavior means. So it's like, okay, we have this behavior of taking a knee. What does it mean? That's the question. Well, to some people, it means we're disrespecting veterans. To others, it means we're standing up for a right. What he's saying is taking a knee is so that we can point out something, you know, or another. So we hear all of that specific. We hear him going into this very, very detail. And that's why, in one sense, I think that it is rehearsed that he has obviously gone in and, you know, looked at his demographics of who does he want to appeal to. And, you know, certainly I would expect that part of that are minorities, mm-hmm. you know, African Americans specifically. And he is able then to, to talk about that, right? Because this is the African American issue. Or at least, you know, there's one, this is one big one, one, one of them when we're talking about uh, lives being lost. And so he goes through all of those various points in order to appeal to that base. Right. And this is what I really like is that, you know, being able to see a, um, a non-black politician be able to deliver a speech about race or talk about racial issues in the language of somebody who is African-American, that speech could have been Barack Obama giving it. That speech could have uh, been John Lewis giving that speech right there. And perhaps he studied some of the language that they've used. But I can just think back to other politicians who try to do that, Bernie Sanders um, and, uh, you know, maybe uh, some others, Hillary Clinton did a better job, but not like this, not like Barack Obama. And I see 
I see Beto really channeling channeling the the sort of sermon level um, uh, Sunday church pastor level uh, speech methods that really you know speak as though he is a member of that tribe. Yeah, it's he really has to do this because he's going up against Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz is very smooth at his language and how he's saying things. He's very much able to get into that emotionality of communicating an idea. And so what are some of the speech techniques that Beto is using here? Well, one of the things he does is, is that as we mentioned, okay, he takes the issue and he points it in a different direction. He says things that he is not supposed to say. So he says things like, there's many people in this country who are frustrated with people like me. Well, what does that mean? People like me, well, automatically he kind of puts himself in that class Mm. of, you know, of the, the people who are kind of in the elite. And he's at the same time saying, hey, I'm up here, but I can also appeal to you on a, on a uh, very ground floor level. Mm-hmm. He, he uses metaphor, okay, as well when he's doing this. So part of what he says, he says things like, the eyes of this country are watching these games. Okay, so we have eyes. The eyes of this country are watching these games. And there's nothing more American than to take a knee. Again, we are reframing the issue and pointing it in a different direction right he's really taking up that that american versus un-american mantle and reframing it and turning it around to say that no this is actually more american and you know people like me could be interpreted in two different ways somebody who is not african-american or somebody who is in a leadership position he really is sort of gets that vague impression before he elaborates to say that he was talking about the perspective of power instead. But it's vague enough uh, at the outset that that question might arise in in, in your subconscious or in your mind. And, uh, and then he's able to continue on while still speaking to, I would say, both angles. Yeah, and what's really significant, if you look at how he began this speech... He starts off with what we would call in neurolinguistics, we would call it a pace. So he starts off by matching what that person is thinking. He starts off by first going into a number of different praises for the veterans and the people of the country. And so he gets that patriotic mood coming through. And then he links the patriotism to the very real historical events that you know, a lot of us would consider to be this is part of American heritage, specifically the civil rights movement. But then he links it back to World War II, okay? And he links it, you know, now back to the football game. So we hear this storytelling ability um, that comes through with a lot of these speeches, right? If you listen through some of the episodes we've done on different speeches and debates, that The thing that a lot of these people have in common, the the politicians have in common, is that they're able to have a story. They're able to tell things in a story-like manner that bypasses critical thought and is able to access that more subconscious part of a person's mind. And now, as we all know, Ted Cruz is no slouch at this. We might have another episode all on Ted Cruz at some later point. But for now, we want to... Pair these two up here. Uh, Ted Cruz has a uh, 
rather brilliant ad out right now. We want to play a little bit of that to get uh, you guys all an idea of where he is coming from. Texans are strong, fearless, independent. Texans are free and we love freedom. And Texans are tough. Texans want to see lower taxes, lower regulation, less debt. We want to see Washington off our backs. Texans want to see more jobs and higher wages and more opportunity. We want to see our cities as sanctuaries, but sanctuaries for Americans and for those who came to America legally seeking the American dream. And we want to see the Constitution and the Bill of Rights protected. We want to see the First Amendment, free speech and religious liberty. We want to see the Second Amendment protected and enforced. The time I've served in the Senate, I have endeavored each and every day to keep the promises I made to the men and women of Texas. I have worked each and every day to defend every word of the United States Constitution. Fifty states. But there's only one Texas. And I am honored and privileged to stand shoulder to shoulder with you, preserving the freedom that makes Texas extraordinary. Every single day I will continue to fight to defend freedom and continue to fight to defend the Constitution in the greatest state, in the greatest nation, in the history of the world. There's a hundred senators, but only one Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah. This is like a, a conservative uh, rally cry. You know, it's like he takes everything that's important to conservatives and he puts it in one ad. <laughs> um, this, this really like this ad, like if you want to be a conservative running in a, in a, in a, uh, in a race, you could basically take this ad and, you know, take little bits and pieces of it and just kind of talk about that. Right. Because that's, you know, he, he names a number of different things there. Um, Geez, where do we begin? What does it what does it even mean? <laughs> what does it even mean? There are 50 states and only one Texas. And then he goes on to say that Texans want more jobs, 
higher wages. Well, who doesn't want more jobs? Who doesn't yeah, want higher more wages? opportunity, lower crime? Texans are free, and we love freedom. Yeah, free, strong, independent, fearless, and Texans are tough. <laughs> well, the thing about it is, so when he's saying those words like, you know, lower this, more this, higher this, this uh, that's what's called a comparative deletion. And so the idea is that he's making a comparison, but they don't tell you what it's compared to. So more jobs compared to what? Higher opportunities you know, higher wages compared to what, at what level am I going to be satisfied according to whom, you know, wages for whom exactly, what type of jobs, you know, when someone hears more jobs, well, does that mean they're going to get a job? Does that mean your neighbor is going to get a job? Does that mean your family members are going to get a job? What does it mean? Mm -hmm. And so he uses these type of deletions to be able to create very that artfully vague language, the the language that people can fill in their own things. And when they hear this, they go, "Wow, Ted Cruz stands for me. They stand. For, he stands for my American values." Okay, well, but who who doesn't have those American values that you learned from your first grade teacher, right? Like. It was there in the history books, you know, okay, the First Amendment. What's important about the First Amendment? Free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment, protected and enforced. And you also hear a little bit more of that conservative leaning because of the types of words he uses. So protection, enforcement, preserve freedom, okay, which means that there's something that's trying to take away freedom. You have to preserve it. Um fight, defend, there's this kind of battle language that happens here. One thing that I noticed in all of this that I really wanted to highlight is he's got a moment there where he says, I have worked to defend every word of the Constitution. But when he says the phrase every word, he says it very specifically different. I have worked to defend every word of the Constitution. And to me, what that struck me as was him telegraphing so that somebody who isn't really tuned into a lot of conservative values might think, oh, yeah, he wants to defend the Constitution and uphold law enforcement. But with somebody who's more conservative and has maybe that ear open, he they might hear every word and think, oh, uh, uh, um, a strict uh uh, textual interpretation of the Constitution, and that he's going to be very conservative on Supreme Court judges or federal court judges, and he really believes in just a strict interpretation, and that really sends a different message to that type of a person, which I just really love about Ted Cruz is that he really goes in on all uh, on these these um, psychological tactics that we can talk about maybe more on another episode but he was the first person for example to really utilize cambridge analytica and to really think that there is maybe something more to how he communicates to different groups in different ways and maybe this might be just one tiny uh, microcosm example of that yeah when we hear this type of language it's basically like a playbook you know how, how do you do it how do you talk to people well use these types of of languages where you you keep the promises of the free and strong constitution you know you allow the opportunities to continue to grow 
Well, Ted Cruz didn't say that, but I'm just taking some of his words and interchanging them a little bit more slightly, and it kind of still sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And I also love this part at the at the end. Um, well, he he has that metaphor, right? We're gonna stand. I'm gonna stand shoulder to shoulder. Well, that's a very visual image, you know. It's a it's a kinesthetic or a feeling image too. Shoulder to shoulder. What does that mean? Um, shoulder to shoulder to fight and defend. Texas, the greatest state in the greatest nation. Dot dot dot. In the history of the world. You know, it's, it's like, it's like, okay, that's, that, that's a pretty big, uh, that, that's a pretty big thing. It's like, okay, Texas. Wow. I, I didn't know that Texas was, you know, that, that important. I mean, but shoulder to shoulder to whom shoulder and shoulder to our men and women of service, which exactly. a lot of these people might be able to relate to or shoulder to shoulder with president Trump, who a lot of these people might respect and admire as well or shoulder to shoulder with you as a freedom loving uh texan who loves texas <laughs> all right so um so yeah we we hear this through through ted cruz in which he's he's able to take all of this and it's such a brilliant ad because whoever is creating this ad and, and the visuals for it are, are great as well Whoever is creating this ad, they they know that when people are voting, they're doing it based on values. They're doing it based on emotion. They are not doing it based on an individual issue. When you can identify the emotionality. Just listen to the music. Yeah, with the music. When you can identify that emotional value the person is relating to, and then you connect with them on that value, well, then you don't need to agree on the specifics because it's kind of like, well, Ted has our back. You know, Ted's standing shoulder to shoulder. Um, there's another ad in which he ran about um, the Hurricane Harvey that went through. And he was saying that, you know, Ted, it actually said in the ad, you know, Ted Cruz has your back. And, you know, Beto voted against, you know, the funds for the, for the thing. But Ted, he's got you. You know, he's, he's your man. People don't want to have to think about this stuff. They just want to have a politician who they think does good enough for their values, for what they believe in, quote unquote, although we know that that is, of course, unspecified, and is going to somehow represent their interests, even if that politician's policies don't necessarily produce any meaningful change in their lives. One other thing that I want to turn our attention to then is maybe one of the more explicit uh, attack ads that Ted Cruz ran that is just beautiful and really goes to the jugular, speaks to those issues, and uh, in a way that's a little bit of a different tactic than the first ad with the song that we played. And we're going to go to this ad that's more extreme. I'm Ted Cruz, and I approve this message. Beto O'Rourke is more extreme than he wants you to know. Not even Nancy Pelosi is open to abolishing ICE, but Beto is. Not even Bernie Sanders supports impeaching the president, but Beto does. Would you vote to impeach him right now? I would. Yeah. And not even Elizabeth Warren has ever suggested legalizing all narcotics, including heroin. But Beto did. If Beto O'Rourke's positions are too extreme even for them, he's just too reckless for Texas. He's too reckless for Texas. <laughs> there we go with that rhyming again. This is great. We've got the the movie theater suspense announcer 
voice coming <laughs> on, very scary, very dark, very mysterious. Yeah, this Talking is like a, a trailer who's for, hiding something for a movie. Right, exactly. And we've seen it a hundred times, right? This is every political ad on earth, but they do it because it's effective. And what we see here is that voice sort of sounding shady and mysterious and, of course, painting Beto O'Rourke as trying to hide his true values and his true beliefs. And sure, there might be some truth to it. These ads often do have things taken out of context from time to time. But it doesn't matter because nobody who is watching these ads is actually sitting down and doing any research behind it and actually looking up the things and that's what's important here is what is the feeling what is the emotion that is being conveyed across regardless of the facts that voice that announcer could say just about anything and attach it to Beto O'Rourke and the same feeling would would come across like Beto O'Rourke loves puppies (laughs) Beto O'Rourke likes to look at rainbows (laughs) Beto O'Rourke, too reckless for Texas. Too reckless for Texas. Uh, yeah. It, 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 so these type of ads, is just, it's just fascinating. So let's listen to another one here. And this is a ad in which uh, Ted Cruz ran in order to go up against the idea of kneeling for the anthem. And so he brought on a veteran and the veteran talks about it. And it, again, kind of stirs up all of that emotionality. Let's go ahead and take a listen. I'm Ted Cruz, and I approve this message. I kind of wanted to know how you personally felt about how disrespectful it is, like you have the NFL players kneeling during the national anthems. I wanted to know if you found that disrespectful to our country, to our veterans, and I find it incredibly frustrating that people seem to be okay with that. My short answer is no. I don't think it's disrespectful. And I can think of nothing more American than to peacefully stand up or take a knee for your rights anytime, anywhere, anyplace. Nothing more American? Liberal Hollywood was thrilled. But do Texans agree? Whoever believed that we would have issues about whether you're going to stand during the national anthem or not? Tim Lee, a Texan, served in Vietnam. On March 8, 1971, he stepped on a landmine. I gave two legs to this country. I'm not able to stand, but I sure expect you to stand for me when that national anthem is being played. In November, where will you stand? Yeah, so once again, we we notice this emotional appeal. And the appeal, you know, is quickly to, it's not about, okay, what are the various messages? It's about, okay, what did Beto actually do? And then what are we going to interpret it as? So liberal Hollywood was thrilled, but not Texans. And I also really like the imagery here is that it's all about standing. And you can't really see it because this is an audio format that we're talking through. But the video of it has a paraplegic, somebody with no legs who stepped on a landmine, get up and speak about not being able to get up and asking you where you're going to stand and talking about how Ted Cruz is standing with us and better work isn't. It's really interesting because there's just, it's just loaded with the imagery and loaded up with the emotion of being able to stand. And you're talking about what standing for the national anthem. 
It's genius. Yeah. Yeah. He's got this, this whole idea of, okay, what's it like to stand up for something? Well, this is why this issue is so significant, the whole taking a knee thing. And, you know, I really think this is, it's fascinating to see how the two different sides interpret this particular issue. And we've talked about this before because it's such a great example. You know, you have a behavior that is being identified as being framed two ways, you know, by two different sides. Now, if those two different sides could actually agree with each other, you would find tremendous amounts of um, perhaps compassion come from the other side. Like, okay, I really understand like where you're coming from with all of this. Um, but the way that it's being framed, and I think the media attention is part of this, and you know, certainly ads like this contribute to that divisiveness. What happens is people kind of split into groups. Well, do you believe in standing? You know, if you don't believe in standing, then you can't be my friend on Facebook. <laughs> you know, and if if you don't believe in the rights of a person to to take a knee for something they believe in, well, I don't want to have anything to do with you. So we have this kind of back and forth that happens, you know, between people that isn't necessarily contributing to an actual dialogue, to an ability to say, okay, wait, what is this all about? Yeah, and these ads just make it even worse, and I and that's what I really feel like is the really part of going back to the theme of this podcast, right? Is that when people are siloing themselves by demonizing the other and separating their friends out and choosing who they're going to follow on Facebook based on the different ads and the different political stances that people like and dislike and follow and retweet and all of that, they end up engaging less and having less of a discussion. And that is harmful because those those minds, those hearts and minds are changed from interacting on a human level and being able to share values among people face to face. And that's cut off as soon as people decide to begin demonizing the other. And um, I think that's maybe, uh, once again, the moral of all of this. Yeah, it encourages them to keep voting by party versus to vote for a specific thing they believe in or to vote for um, something that they might have been willing to compromise on before. It encourages them to get more polarized, which is why we see you know, the right is moving further right, the left is moving further left. And then you, know, you kind of have this space in the middle where all of, a lot of people who are you know, maybe more moderate Republicans or moderate Democrats are not really feeling connecting to either, you know, candidate, but they're being encouraged to be to split. They're being encouraged to say, which side do you want to believe in? And uh, I, I personally think that this is one of the reason that some people don't show up and vote is because they say, you know, I don't really believe in, in any of these people. So why would I why would I go and do that? All right. I think that's about all the time we've got for today. Uh, this was fascinating. We really got a chance to do something that I've been waiting to do for a while, which is really dig in on some political ads, because I think that there's a lot more there. Uh, we might hit back on some of that in the future, along with a little bit more on Ted Cruz, because I just think that he's a particularly gifted politician that has a lot to say along the lines of the themes of these, of these podcast episodes. So... With that, be sure to follow us on Twitter. Make sure you rate and review the podcast in iTunes and whatever app that you listen to us on. And head on over to our Facebook. Uh, be sure to like and engage in discussion over there. 
And if you really like this show and you really want to let us know that you like it, go to our Patreon page. (laughs) You can go to our Patreon page uh, down there in the show notes and check out all through uh, the different things that we have up there. Be sure to contribute because this podcast, of course, is not free. And we want to do even more creative things and get even more uh, exciting guests on the show. So if you guys can head on over there, check it out. Donate as little as a cup of coffee and uh, let us know that you really love this show and you want some more interesting topics. Absolutely. And we look forward to seeing you all next time on the next episode of Subliminally Correct. Correct.